Oh, hello, Internet, and welcome back to the Tapstream Podcast, episode 23. Uh, I am Trey, and today I am joined by... It's dear Christopher. How I you... didn't like that. I'm sorry. <laughs> Which, do you want to do you want to start over? <laughs> no, I don't. I want to let them see behind the curtains. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. We are continuing our discussion of season eight of Game of Thrones. In particular, we'll be talking about episode four. Uh, yeah, I, I the way we've been doing it is that we've kind of been going almost scene by scene. Um, we really delve into it, so spoilers are a thing, but before we get into the spoiler talk, uh, why don't we just give, like, some grand, big-picture feelings about this episode in general? Do, uh, I'll, you know, you can go ahead and start. No, you go, you go first. Okay. <laughs> okay, actually, I'm gonna say, I don't, <clears throat> I don't know, I don't know what my, like, I don't, I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. I think it was solid character, not character development, solid story development. Um, I don't know, I really, I really, like, I, I don't. I, I my my knee jerk is to say that they uh did a lot of convenient wrapping up. Yeah, I think convenient is a very key word here. Um because yeah. I, I tweeted about this last night how it honestly just feels like we're speed running the show now. Um mm-hmm. and it feels less of a show that is paying off eight seasons worth of storytelling and more of a show that's been told to wrap it up. Um I enjoyed this episode a lot more than last week's, which because like I listened back to our episode last week and when I, I heard my feelings, I think I was a little bit higher on the episode, but I eventually kind of cooled down. Um, and it's not the same with this particular episode. I did like it more, but it just it's baffling how quickly everything is unfolding now after going through so many different seasons of everything kind of being slog is not the word but it it was more patient and things are developing so fast that i i don't know i i ultimately i think this episode left me feeling how i felt at the end of last season where it's silly but i've made it this far so i'm just kind of having fun with it like i'm i don't have grand expectations but i am still enjoying the show yeah <clears throat> that's pretty accurate it's yeah. a it, i don't want to call it a letdown it's, but yeah we've got we've got two more episodes mm-hmm. to wrap all of game of thrones yeah i think the biggest lesson that is we should take away from here is that maybe we shouldn't adapt things until they're finished <laughs> you know okay <laughs> <laughs> yes uh i i okay well now so thinking thinking back through that i, I get what you're saying now uh-huh. but um i was about to say uh i thought okay my knee jerk or my 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 quick assessment of what you had said was maybe we shouldn't like try to finish things before they like we shouldn't try to like determine what or predict what the ending is going to be until it's actually finished right but i get what you mean now um about i I think you mean that this show would have would have been better off taking the breaking bad route which is to say it would have been better off going the route of of knowing where it ends before it begins yeah because i mean uh, you know the book was using the i'm sorry the move the show was using the books as its compass for a good large part of the early seasons and then eventually they caught up to the book and kind of started having to develop their own stuff and even though they are in line with George R. R. Martin, because I think part of the stipulation of the show is that he gets to write one episode per season, I think, or something like that. So he's definitely working with them. Um, 
it just it felt like after they moved past the books it's just we've like it's been like okay here we go we got to put a bow on this kind of thing but yeah, that, I mean, that's kind of like where I've I've settled on it. I, I'm going to I'm definitely here. There's definitely cool moments. I'm enjoying it. But I just my expectations have been shot a little bit. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I. I'm really hesitant to hate it. Uh-huh. Like, I, I don't want to not like it, but. It's shaping up to be something that i don't think is going to pay off the way that i want it to um i was trying to think if this is a spoiler thing to say or not because i i do have another suspicion i will i I don't think this is a spoiler i i I really think that this season's going to end in a way that we're like oh shit and then you review the season with a different context and it's like everything starts to make a little bit more sense. Like I think they're they're going for a twist ending that is only that will retroactively make the season better. But I don't know if they've earned enough goodwill to kind of pull that one on us. If that makes any sense. Yeah. I want to talk about that because before we get into it, I want to discuss predictions. But I think it's it's an after the spoiler jump All right. kind of conversation. Well, let's go ahead and uh, jump into it. Any any final thing? Um. My my parting words, and they'll probably be consistent for next week and the week after, is uh, I just I, I feel like I'm going to be able to make the best assessment when this is over. Yeah. Um, obviously, the the cheap guy takes the cheap route. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I just I don't know. I haven't lost faith yet. Um, I'm seeing one thing for sure. Um, in in the fact that it, it feels like your assessment is really strong. And I think it's, I don't want to say it's right, but it feels right. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that by the end of this, I'm like, nah, they fucking, they got us, you know? Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know yet. I don't, I'm not comfortable camping on that side yet until That's, I've seen it all. Yeah, I get it. Um, with that being said, if you are not caught up with Game of Thrones Season 8, Episode 4, this is your last warning. We are going to play a little uh, audio cue, and then when we get on the other side, we'll be talking full-on spoilers. So thank you so much for listening, if this is as far as you got. Uh, here we go. Stop it! You're spoiling it! You're spoiling everything! Okay, so this is it. We're spoiler zone. Nice. Okay. Um... <clears throat> <clears throat> so, <clears throat> excuse me. I had to get ready for this. Um, so, Harry Potter, which one is he again? <laughs> uh, um, so, so you had said, uh, I'm jogging back through my memory. Um, you had said that they were probably going to twist and and it would retroactively make the season more, yeah. uh, air quote, worth it. Um, I... I'm trying to figure out how I want to word this. Um, Would it help if I give you a context of what I think? Of- yeah, because I have mine. I just can't put it in. I, I I can't decide where to go with it yet. So I'm do, go I'm gonna it. I'm gonna do my best not to drudge up episode three because I know I think of the three of us. I know it's just you and me today, but of the three of us, I think I was the the most down on it. Um, so I'm not gonna bring up too much, but I will say this: I, I Bran ultimately felt 
like what the hell was he doing the entire time through the Battle of Winterfell? He obviously warged somewhere. He did something. And I'm 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 thinking you wait, what do you mean? <laughs> I said it's debatable. I know. Rand never does anything. <laughs> okay. I thought you meant debatable that he, he warged in anything. Funny. No, no, it was I, good. I think he did. I agree with you. Um I just don't know what he did. So that's what I'm saying. I think that's their kind of like you know we're gonna we're gonna come back to that specific moment like by the end of it and see what he was actually doing and maybe things will start to fall into place but what that is who knows and whether or not i'll be able to justify some of my uh less than uh praised episodes that's a bad sentence but you know what i mean so do you have a prediction of where he went no i don't know I'm wondering if he worked in as one of the dragons. Is that even possible? Do we know if that's possible, like, given the lore? I don't see why not. I think he, he could warg into any beast. I mean, he he warged into Hodor. That's true. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I feel like they would have made a bigger deal about it if he did warg into one of the dragons. But then again... Well, wasn't Drogon, like, weirdly personified, like... Is that even the correct word? What like no, that's whenever? Right. Okay, so but but I mean that, that was that, there was that like jeez there was that like weird scene where John takes Danny to where he used to hunt and Drogon like looks. Oh yeah 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 yeah. But I mean I guess because for me the I'm talking about from the battle Winterfell Winterfell forward. Yeah no but I mean that could be empirical evidence that he. Oh I see what you're saying yeah. Or did become the dragon and that like maybe that could even strengthen the retroactive like oh it's been in front of our faces this entire time yeah um but yeah maybe not i mean everybody was was uh extremely cavalier about that scene or that aspect of the scene mm-hmm. viewers and showrunners alike so maybe i'm reading too much into it yeah i feel like the way they want you to read it on the surface is like obviously drogon drogo like it's supposed to be like Haha, yeah you you may be yeah. alive but i you know i was first or something but yeah i don't know you might be right maybe we'll come back to this moment and see well so i was thinking you were gonna go with um i don't know does it does it feel like sh- should we even make predictions or should we just leave it why don't we go through this episode and then we'll, we'll throw some okay. predictions at the end that's fair because i have some and i I'm and, not happy with any of them, which is good because I shouldn't be running the show anyway. But, uh, <laughs> I will say, I mean, I mean, you don't have to wait specifically to the end. If we come to a point in this recap, yeah, throw it in there. Sure, sure. Um, um, so before we start, uh, Trey wrote notes this time. Uh, it's really difficult to like try to write notes and try to pay attention. Yeah, uh, um, that's why I specifically wrote these notes before <laughs> we started recording. <laughs> <laughs> After the episode. So I do uh, want to read this because you sent me notes as you've been doing for every episode, which I appreciate. And I sent mm-hmm. you a Google Doc and you just immediately fire off. Oh, look, you finally respected me enough to take notes. <laughs> <laughs> so Nope. Nope. It was uh, it was like this is like a, a very um, good example of how I was in college too. Everything was done right before the test. <laughs> I'm just not confident in my notes. Like I'm like shit. I'm gonna miss something, and we we drive the podcast off of it. It's terrifying. <clears throat> but uh, I still wrote notes. But yeah. Trey wrote notes as well, and his are much more structured than mine. So well, you're I like yours because they're uh, you know stream of conscious, which is really nice. 
By the way, welcome yeah. to note taking the podcast. <laughs> Man, but no. Uh, right, so, I guess uh, yeah. if we're we're diving into it, the the easiest way to start is with the first scene, which was the funeral scene. Well, so before we get into that, um, I, the first thing I wrote was: uh, Do the credits show that Winterfell is being rebuilt? Um, so the context for this question is I didn't pay much attention to the credits throughout the season mm-hmm. or not necessarily the season, but throughout the series. Yeah. I only started paying attention to it retroactive to the first episode of season eight because it showed that like it was implied in the credits that not implied that the wall fell, but it was implied that the, the dead were marching and had taken one of the houses. Yeah. So I've been I've been paying attention ever since then. And um, I don't think it matters really much. We don't have to talk about it. But uh, I, I it, like the credits like show. I don't know. It seemed like it was being rebuilt or something like I was purposely trying to figure out if they were going to explain the death of the whites. See, I was totally because I've been paying attention to it since episode one of this season. It was something I never really gave much thought to until right till this season because they changed it drastically um because even in the um oh god is it called the the astrolabe the like the spinning uh metal thing with the light in the center if you sounds good if, if you uh if you look at the depictions it's actually moments from the tv show so and this is all like me reading other and listening to other podcasts about this the analysis it's basically showing that the events that took place throughout the entirety of the season have moved on from just being you know something we witnessed to being actual lore in the history of westeros like we've watched something so important that has now been immortalized in the history of whatever the opening credit credits represent because you see the one where uh, a person's like holding a direwolf head which is supposed to in- insinuate you know rob stark being beheaded at the wedding and um god yeah so just stuff like that um I didn't notice Winterfell being rebuilt, but I think that was because, and again, I'm going to do my best not to continuously just shit on episode three, but I was really hoping we were going to see the tiles flipping blue representing the White Walkers, and then you just hear like a womp womp, and they just stop like right at the foot <laughs> of Winterfell. <laughs> see, that's what I was looking for too, like some sort of... Sign- yeah. I think it just yeah. ends like right at Winterfell. Like you see the blue tint, and then that's it. But Yeah. Well, okay, past that. Um so the funeral scene yeah um, how, how do you want to interpret your notes so uh, the first thing that i think stuck out the most to me um because it felt like everybody like the remaining living that they focused on which was sansa danny john and Arya, they all had corresponding corpses that were supposed to represent you know meaning to them i think the the, the one that struck me the most was sansa in uh theon because she ends up putting the Stark sigil on Theon as he's on top of the pyre. And it was just, yeah. it was a very, because out of all the the deaths in episode three, I think Theon's was the one that hit me the most. Um, yeah. Because you, I think you and, and Chelsea hit the nail on the head when you said that he was the most changed character from the start to finish. Yeah. So it was just a nice little like send off to have him have, you know, finally becoming a part of the family kind of thing. His character would be a really interesting character study. Yeah. Um, just because, like, you, you go from 
you know, understanding, uh, learning who he is to, to hating him, to sympathizing him to, I think we've already hit on all this before, mm-hmm. but it's just, I don't know. It's interesting. I mean, and that's one of the specialties of the show is that it takes characters and it makes you feel strongly about them one way. And then by the end of it, they have completely changed you. That's a sign of good writing. Uh, and I think uh, Theon, out of all of these characters, has done the the most changing. And it helps that the actor that plays him is just so goddamn good, too. True. Yeah. True. Do you think... I just want to make a quick point. Do you think the Hound has changed as a character, or do you think we've just grown to love his character? Hmm. Mm. If, if he would have been... Actually, no, I think he didn't has because I was going to say if we would have seen yeah. him not not like crumble in the battle of Winterfell, uh, I, you know, I would if we didn't see him crumble, I would say yes, but we did see him crumble. But the difference was in the battle of Blackwater Bay, where he basically has his famous line, fuck the king. And like he runs off because he doesn't want to be a part of the fight right. anymore. His fuck the king moment actually turned into I got to go save Arya. So we saw him. We saw him put aside his fear of fire enough to to help save the day. So, yeah, I, I think he's changed. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Do you? I don't know. I was genuinely asking. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was looking for your expertise. I because I, I, I was going to say I don't think so, yeah. but I didn't have any evidence to support it. Uh-huh. I just it was a quick thought. I think. I don't because it's hard to tell because like obviously our first interaction with him or first memorable interaction with him is where he killed the farm hand and Arya like hates him for it. And then we kind of go along and he ends up trying to save Sansa. Um, I think he's always had this soft spot for people who need help. Um, So I don't know if he needed help once (laughs) and no one was there. And now la la la. (laughs) I don't know what that was. It's a Family Guy joke. Oh, okay. It's not, it's not even a joke. It's just like a, one of those sweet songs that plays in like a sitcom. Oh, okay. La, la, la. But no, I don't know. That one's a hard one. I'll have to think about that. I I don't know if I was prepared to answer that. I wasn't even prepared to ask it. So, <laughs> um, so in my notes, the next two things I have is just uh, uh, Daenerys was mourning Jorah. Um, Arya more. I didn't write this down, but Arya mourns Beric Dondarrion. But I, I don't know about you. I don't know if I ever personally felt a connection between them two, other than the one. I never really felt a connection with Beric. <laughs> if I'm being honest, like I, like I think that was really convenient plot armor. It, it, um, were it not for the ultimate confrontation between the Hound and the Mountain, I would have said that the Hound. It was the Hound's place to die instead of Beric Dondarrion. It would yeah. it would have felt much more impactful had the hound died saving Arya than Beric. I mean, okay. In terms of character deaths, I agree. Uh huh. In terms of satisfying storylines, I like Beric's more. Yeah. Um, which I, is just a f- alternative way of supporting your statement of the hound and the mountains confrontation. Yeah. Because uh, that, um, that feels like where we're headed to next with them. Hey, man, with all of these like gifts we're putting a bow on, I can't imagine they're not going to put a bow on that one, too. Mm-hmm. Fucking, every, fucking the hound every, gets a cold like right outside King's Landing. I'm not going to make it. <laughs> dies from choking on a chicken wing. Or 
Oh man, that would piss me off. Oh man. Um, well, the way other yeah, things have been going. I didn't give a shit about Beric. Um, I wrote off. Um, oh God, what's her name? Miss Miss Sunday. No, 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 not Miss Sunday. What girl? What who? who? What's the, the the Oh God, Melisandre. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The the red I witch. I can't. It's so hard between their two names. Very similar to me. Um, I wrote whenever the whole thing happened with uh, oh god was it Rinley? Rinley was uh, Bar- the Barath- the gay Baratheon yeah not, not Rinley um, then uh, Stannis the, Stannis was the one who killed his daughter yes okay so when that happened that pissed me off so much that I was just like I don't like anyone to do with her mm-hmm um, which is actually kind of cool. They've made me face, um, like I think I think it's. I'm gonna make a wild shot in the dark. I think it's. Uh, yeah, we call that episode it, three. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I think really good writing will make you question the complexities of your own judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is cool. That, but I think this is so subtle. Or maybe it's so subtle. I don't know. Um, here's my here's my judgment, and I won't I won't judge it as itself. I think that Barrack's death was too subtle. His yeah. storyline was so subtle that I don't know that an uh, I, don't, I won't say average viewer because I am a below average viewer, um, but I don't think that just the average every man or every woman would just immediately be like, oh, wow, I should think about how I judge people now. You know, mm-hmm. like, I don't think that was like that. But I think that's cool that if you read into it far enough, it makes you do that. Yeah. All that being said, I still wasn't impacted by that. The, like, all it got out of me was like, ah, that's cool. You know, like, that's neat. I I feel neat. bad in thinking, I mean, like, is he going to come back? Because, <laughs> like, he's been he's been revived so many times throughout the series that it's like, is this is this like for real dead or? <laughs> But I don't know. Hey, man, plot armor. Um, so really, the only other thing I have uh, with this funeral scene that I, I really liked was John's speech regarding legacy. Um, he talked about not letting the memory of all those who gave their lives to stand against the dead um, fade away, and I I really liked it because I. I've talked about how for the longest time I felt this show's whole point was that titles are petty um, until they wrap that up in episode three. But I think the underlying theme that they are are juxtaposing that with is that, you know, legacy is important, you know, doing doing things that will outlive your life. Uh, What's the what's the famous uh, line? Wise men plant trees. They never know they'll sit under the shade or something like that. I like that. Mm-hmm. It, it just felt like a nice little bow to kind of show where John's at as a person. It's like it it was never about us. It was about just the people that come next. Right. So I don't know. I really like that scene. Which I'm I'm spoiling the episode a little bit, but um, it'll come full circle. Uh, people who don't want to be leaders generally don't give speeches like that. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I mean, if you think about it, like that was on the note, like that was not on the nose. It was off the cuff. Like he, he just kind of spit that out. Mm-hmm. Well, um, 
I mean, I'll go out here with you on this one because essentially what we're, we're kind of alluding to is a further point in this episode where we start to question, is Danny a rightful ruler or is John, who doesn't want to be a ruler, actually the right person for the job? Um, just because, like, I get it. Like, the fact that he doesn't want it makes him good for it because he's not, I don't think he's saying what he's saying at the beginning of this episode because he wants to rule i think that he's just speaking from the heart yeah exactly and that's what i'm saying is like he he pulls this out of nowhere Mm -hmm. like he has passion and he cares and he knows people and he he's quick to admit when he's wrong and he's quick to admit whenever he's over his head i I don't know it it, it, he's got all the makings of a leader right so yeah just a little thing i would say um I didn't write much for his speech. I didn't write anything at all, actually, for his speech. I wrote, mm-hmm. I wrote Theon and Joya after Jora Afterlife, which <laughs> my I'm, notes suck. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm actually I'm really glad because I would I want to bring that up. What are you? What do you mean Afterlife? Um, I think I wrote it. I, I'm trying to like jog back through my. I think I wrote it, um, partially being funny, partially like teasing the idea of like what what do the people who rely on these two characters now do Mm -hmm. do they learn anything from their deaths do they you know i wouldn't say not so much theon because i think it was wrapped up pretty nicely whenever sansa put the stark sigil on theon i think Mm -hmm. that was a good you know that was a good uh growth moment but i don't know now I want to now I want to explore that some because um, I, I don't have anything for Theon because I don't know if we could say anybody really relied on him, but Jorah was a part of Danny's support system. Exactly, and that's what I was about to lean into was, um, could this is another looking forward spoiler for the episode? Could, um, I mean it's it's clear she's she's struggling at best to maintain her. Uh, grip right so is that emotional stress from losing Jorah is that which I don't I personally don't think it's solely because of that and I want to go ahead and add this it's not only just losing Jorah she lost Jorah she lost half the Dothraki army half the Unsullied army Uh, I don't think we ever properly got to see her deal with the grief of losing um, Viserion her first dragon Yeah. yeah so like I mean I even if maybe the show's not doing a good job of telegraphing the the transition from being like, okay, she's the chosen ruler to she's mimicking somebody who is unhinged. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I I I want I I, bleh, I want to look at I want to consider what it would be like for not what it would be like, but what it is like for Danny to not have someone like Jorah who loved her unconditionally Mm -hmm. because, um, John is not the smartest person. (laughs) He's smart. I mean, he's smart, but he's, he follows his moral compass to a T. Right. And that can be a fault politically um well i again kind of kind of skipping ahead here there was a scene where sansa said that her the men in her family don't do well in the south 
and that's because they are they're loyal to a fault like you said their honesty their honesty gets the better of them because yeah. even in my own notes i put john is stupidly loyal <laughs> i just wanted to <laughs> i just wanted to throw that in there i'm right there with you and i both love it and hate it <laughs> <laughs> that's quoting trey um yeah so john is is um stupidly loyal uh Tyrion is devilishly clever not devilishly that's not fair he's just really really clever he's a very smart man well i think because um, remember back in season two like he openly admits that he's good and loves to play the game aka the political game of westeros mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so would it be fair to say that Tyrion works for himself only no i didn't think so um, I, I don't know if i'd go out there but he okay so what percentage would you say he acts in his own best interest let me say this uh, i think we have three good examples here Littlefinger, i think is an example of someone who works solely for the benefit of themselves uh and we saw what happened with him Varys. Okay. Uh, again, peeking ahead in this episode, is somebody who I think is purely for the benefit of the greater good, even admittedly so. Uh, Tyrion's right there in the middle. I think, obviously, he does have some sense of self-preservation, but he he meets Danny at his lowest point, which is right after killing his father, where he was broken because of what he did uh, to him and Shay. And I don't think that he goes through all the political strife that he's going through now if he didn't believe that Danny was somebody to be admired that would bring uh peace to Westeros. So I guess that's my long answer to your question. I think he's in the middle. Okay. Um Okay, so I would agree with everything you just said. Um and what I was getting to I think originally was what happens I think the point I was trying to make was who who is who is if anybody 100% behind Danny right now. I guess maybe Grey Worm. Maybe. And even then again kind of peeking ahead. I don't know. I'm not going to reveal exactly what happens just yet, but I don't even know if he's 100% with her anymore. You're right. I mean, you bring is up that, a... Is that is that because of what happens on the wall? Yes. Okay, I just, I mean, whoever's listening to this obviously knows, yeah, but yeah. I don't want to get too far into that yet. But but put a pin in that because I want to talk about that some more. But but yeah, the, the point I want to make is is Jorah was um, very unfailing in, in his faith for Danny. So mm-hmm. what happens when that's gone? Right. Do you think, do you think she could be realizing it? I think so, yeah. Um, Interesting. <clears throat> because there's a, I think, where are we at? We're getting to a, a celebration scene, and I, I think we can tie these two points together because after the funeral scene, uh-huh. they kind of yeah. they move into the celebration. Um, there, there is a scene where Danny rewards Gendry uh, with Storm's End and makes him get Lord Gendry Baratheon. Um, Beautifully political point, uh, like not point, but just scene. It's a really smart move. Like I remember thinking, like, "Oh, damn, yeah, she she's yeah. wasting no time." But I think to answer your question, where she's sensing that, I think she does feel isolated. And even though you know John and her love each other, despite their weird relationship in every sense of the word, 
um <laughs> i think she's she's picking up on being alone and so she's already hard at work making these political moves to start you know gaining favors for this coming war slash political war and i remember thinking during that part right before she gives gendry storm's end i was thinking like you got to be fucking kidding me like you're really gonna flex nut right now like now is the time that you want to be like did you big and bad did you say flex nut (laughs) (laughs) no just go ahead go uh, carry on (laughs) i about to say i don't even know how to recover from that i can't i can't even tell if that's offensive i really don't know No, it's not offensive but i just i've never heard i've heard like flex on them i've never heard flex nut I don't even know where I got it, honestly. Oh, man. Maybe from maybe from Daryl. I don't know. That's a Darylism right there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah. So before the Gendry thing, like Chelsea and I, even like we were saying, like, is she really gonna be, uh, like ruthless right now? Like right now is when she picks the time to, you know. And so, and then like the whole Gendry thing happens, and I was like wait a minute like that's nice of her yeah and then i realized like oh that's really smart i get why she's doing it and then you know Tyrion calls it out and i don't know it was a really it was a really well done scene like i it like i truthfully was like okay fuck i don't know what's about to happen right it, it, it almost harkens back to the early days of the political inner workings of everybody like she starts to see it i think it, the camera cuts to Sansa who's kind of like eyeballing her like okay like I think she starts to panic where she was probably in relaxation mode and then there's this because I don't think Danny consulted anybody about that I think she just did it yeah the moment yeah right off the right off the cuff yep um so yeah that's uh I think we pretty much wrapped up the whole Jorah thing right yeah the only other thing because we kind of went into the celebration scene the only thing that i because i'm looking at your notes that i'm kind of interested in uh you said what is the reason for burning the dead do you have an answer for that oh i don't have an answer i was genuinely curious are they thinking are they burning them just because there's not enough room to bury all of those bodies are they burning them because they know now that the whites can resurrect the dead uh you know like i i don't know because because burning the dead is is I would assume even for Game of Thrones, like that's a that's a, a commoner's death, you know, not I, death, but that's a commoner's way of disposing of a body. I think I have because I have two ideas for this. And I think what they want us to read on the surface level is that it's just efficient as bad as that seems like that's as, I, no, that's it makes sense like that because that's that's a, that's a thing. Like, yeah, you don't have a place to put all of these bodies. Right. Like, I think it's an efficient and, and thing time. But what I think, again, pulling back on this once we get to the end we'll be able to look at the season with new context i wonder if you're right i wonder if they're not that the characters themselves know it but what if it harkens back to some kind of white walker plot that it turns out okay it's good that they did burn the bodies maybe yeah maybe they're planning that and they don't want to pay the actors to come back as dead people (laughs) so (laughs) it's it's convenient plot use to say well your contract's done um i'm just kidding but which but maybe it, I'm not. it's it's on theme because they got lucky by putting everybody in the crypt and they got lucky by by uh burning all the bodies they're just kind of like <laughs> mr magooing their way through everything <laughs> that's funny oh, uh, all right let's move uh back to the forward. celebration scene 
Um, because I, I I wrote like all the high points of the celebration scene for myself, and I, I I think Danny was the highest one. Why don't we go back and forth? Was there another moment in that celebration scene that stood out to you? Um, not not because it doesn't it doesn't have to be in order. Like just any of that particular section. No. Um. Let me see. Uh. Okay, here's <laughs> so you talked about the or you haven't yet, but you have in your notes to talk about the the three way drinking scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, Podrick is a virgin. I'm. I saw your note. Is that really? I guess I missed that because I thought he had that whole scene where Tyrion paid the the women to sleep with him, and they're like, "No, we don't take the money," and like we were left on this big mystery of why they weren't going to take the money for Podrick. And it's like an assumed uh, he's like a, you know, a great lover kind of guy. But I don't I didn't well, pick- his, his his nickname on Free Folk on our Free Folk. The subreddit is Jesus. It's pod the rod. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. And so that's why I was like, and now I'm trying to jog back through it. I'd have to go postmortem it like and like rewatch it at the same time. But I think there was a small takeaway there that the, that he was a virgin. Uh-huh oh wait you're right because i they because they asked that question to brian and he drinks and he drinks yeah and so in my how head does that game, how does that game work they say a statement if it's true you drink if it's not true they drink so in my head i didn't even consider okay. that he podrick was playing along i thought that only only the like one person from each side was playing if that makes sense so when podrick took a drink oh I like thought, he was just trying to stifle the awkward yeah that's exactly how oh, i read it but now that you okay. mentioned that that makes a lot more sense well i don't know because yours makes good sense too <laughs> <laughs> oh man podrick i mean maybe he just sings to everybody in in the bedroom and that's it and that's enough yeah i don't think it's worth looking into um <laughs> I think de- it definitely makes me want to go back and re rewatch that scene again just to see. Yeah. Um I'm trying to think. I-, I-, I don't know that anything else really stood out. Um you wrote that John was praised and Danny is spurned. Yes. Um, How support the Danny is spurned thing. I'm curious. I think the the spurning is like a little bit um internal. Because you know everybody's kind of like talking to John, calling John a war hero, and yeah. I don't. And again, trying really hard not to go back to episode three just to shit on it. But John's involvement in episode three, nothing he did, I would say, constitutes being a war hero. And even if it was, I think Danny is just as deserving of the title of being a war hero too. But my me writing down her being spurned isn't anything the show did contextually i it's just they showed emotionally how she's feeling that yeah, okay everybody's referring to like john the war hero you know who climbs on top of a dragon and rides him either a madman or a king and so she's starting to see the undying support that john gets because he stumbles into greatness for everything um and i that's that's where we because in the first two episodes they talked about how i felt like everything else was a red herring and our biggest battle is going to be between john and danny this is another stake in that inevitable yeah. heartbreak yeah 
That's my biggest struggle. I don't know if I'm going to be happy with that storyline. You don't think so? I don't think so. I don't want to be contrarian for the for the sake of being a contrarian, but um, I just don't think I'm going to like that. Like I think I, I don't know. Just just for the same show, I know I I know I love to lean on the red wedding, but for the same show that gave us that that gave us Arya being insanely like an insanely efficient mercenary mm-hmm. uh, and the, the whole like Walder Frey timeline, like, I, I, not timeline, but, but you know, storyline. Yep. Um, I don't know. It's going to be, it's going to be too damn predictable. And, yeah. and then I struggle with like, is that good? Like, because some people, okay. So I'm trying really hard to form my own opinion and not lean on other people to form my opinion for me. But then I read about like, like someone praised and, and it's, maybe it's right maybe it's wrong but someone praised breaking bad for for ending logically mm-hmm. and it makes me question like do i want a show that fucks my predictability or do i want a show that is logical like what do i want you know right because uh, I, I truthfully i i think and that is contextual i mean out of a show that's historically been unpredictable I don't want a predictable ending. And then <laughs> I'm going to stop yes ending myself, but and then I start to think about um has the show trained me for predicting the unpredictable. And that's it. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> I, but do you see what I'm saying like I don't like like I don't know if I'm gonna want it to be predictable, but then like maybe predictable's good. But then also maybe I'm predicting some off the wall shit that I wouldn't predict for like, you know, say Westworld or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, which is another show, as far as I watched, which was season one and some of season two. Um, without spoiling anything, that's another show that does unpredictability really well, uh, in my opinion. So I would have never seen that coming as far as Westworld goes, but I didn't have eight seasons to build that empirical evidence. Mm-hmm. Now I have, I have eight seasons to build empirical evidence for game of Thrones. So I don't know, man, that's my struggle. Like when I start trying to like fucking piece together the episodes, like I'm still largely riding the fence of like, I will know how I feel when the show is over. Right. It's, uh, it's grown into such a vast web of stories that to be so close to the end and to know that we have a finite amount of episodes and not rely on, okay, maybe it'll be touched on later. Like we're in the end game. And so like, I see what you mean about like, will it or will it not be good if I can predict it, which is a weird place to be in. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't envy writers who have to come up with an ending and it might be lending some insight onto why George R. R. Martin has taken so long to finish his goddamn books. Which is another good point. I was about to say, do you, how, mm, how do you fault? How do you, you know, like think of how many storylines they're juggling at once. Like, mm-hmm. can we really shit on the writers that much? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's the internet. <laughs> the answer is yes. <laughs> uh, I, we're just kind of going through some of the celebration scenes. We we touched on the Tyrion, Jamie, Brienne drinking scene. I liked it. Uh, it was kind of nice to see Tyrion, goof up a bit after being yeah, very burdened with being the hand of the queen to Danny. Um, you know, it's nice to see the Lannister brothers hanging out together. 
Um, I'm trying to think. There's nothing really important out of that drinking scene other than what it eventually leads into, which we'll get into in a second. Um, but the last... I have two more points. I, I, Gendry proposed to Arya, I think, in the celebration scene, and Arya, you know, declines. And uh, I, these last couple episodes, I think, have been so character-defying defying that I'm really glad that they didn't kind of hook them up just to hook them up. And yeah, it yeah. was it was really nice to see Arya stay true to character and be like, "Look, you're going to be great, but no thanks. I'm not a lady." And that was that was a nice way to just kind of stay true to her character. Yeah. Um I'll say one thing and then I'm going to say another thing, but my one thing and then I won't talk about it again is that that's a good uh that's good an ex- ex- ugh, Jesus. That is a good example of the show being predictable, but in a good way. Yeah. Um, because Chelsea and I sat and watched when we were watching the episode, we, we both said like, I was like, she's going to say no. And then I watched it some more and I was like, no, she's going to say yes. Mm-hmm. You know? And then, and then Chelsea's like, no, she's going to say no. She's not a lady. Like, that's a thing. She's, she's, that's not who she is. Right. And then I was like, fuck, I don't know what she's going to do. And, uh, and then I, and I eventually was like, no, she's going to say no. Like, that makes mm-hmm. sense. She's just going to say no. And, Granted, it's a really small point, but that's the kind of predictability that it's like, well, Game of Thrones has kind of set me up. If it stays true to the character, then I think predictability is not bad. And it's just like uh, being so on edge with some of the decisions these characters have been making. I was I was glad that this one made the right one. Like they're like, okay, we're not going to destroy this character just because it's cool kind of thing. Yeah. Um, Now. You skipped something that might be worth talking about. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking to make sure I didn't write anything about Gendry and Arya. Oh, I just wrote that she's not a lady. Um, Tormund being heartbroken. That was that was so worth talking about. I think he, I, I Tormund had some really funny lines in this celebration scene. Uh, I think the one two I liked the most was uh, John says throwing up is not celebration, and he goes, "Yes, it is." Like just immediately immediately defends drinking out of his goddamn horn, and and then later on in the episode he goes, "All right, who shit my pants?" (laughs) Oh man, you know I so I'd like I'd like to go back and watch his character because I think he's. I, I want to know if he's been thinly developed or not. Mm-hmm. You know, like I want to know if, because I made a point in a, another episode of the podcast that he has become very one dimensional. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know if that really, I don't know if that's fair. Like, has he ever been more than one dimensional? I feel like he has made the transition from being like, oh, he's the badass wildling you don't mess with to, okay, he's warming up to John. He respects him as a fighter. And then here towards the end, he's kind of become the comic relief. Yeah. Uh, Because in an early, I think it was in that same episode, I had talked about how, okay, him pining over Brienne is cute. Like, it's like, okay, he's, he's finally here in the South. And he's like, oh, these Southerners, like, fuck them. Like, we're the true North. And he runs into Brienne and he's he meets someone he respects. And so the joke is that obviously he's not into him. So it's just kind of like, OK. And I worried that they were kind of going to beat it to death. 
And to yeah. me, the heartbroken is them beating it to death. Like they've just brought it into creepy territory with Tormund. Okay. I can. Okay. Well, okay. Yes. It is a little creepy that he's so heartbroken over it. But I, at the same time, that kind of lends itself to his one dimensionality. Yeah. Um, he's not a very, I mean, he's a wildling, you know, mm-hmm. like he, he knows what he knows and he probably doesn't dwell on things that he doesn't understand feelings. Right. And so maybe he lacks the, uh, self-awareness to understand that he's being a creepy fuck about <laughs> Brian. Um, uh, I don't know if there's anything more in the celebration scene that I, yeah. that stuck out to me. Um, I saw you had the note with Bran and Tyrion, uh, where Bran says something. I think I I lost in your notes. Do you remember it? Um. Oh, <laughs> uh, Tyrion. <laughs> Tyrion says he envies Bran because I'm trying to remember the context of the scene. I think he envies Bran because Bran doesn't want anything. Mm-hmm. He's like, I don't want, I don't want much these days. And Tyrion says, I envy you. And Bran's like, I oh, wouldn't envy me. I live in the past now. <laughs> <laughs> Bran is just like, so, I don't know. Like, is he weird? You know, like I, I mean, I, clearly I, he's weird, but are we going to call him? Like he's weird even for fucking Game of Thrones. Yeah. And, and when we've already dealt with the white walkers and the mystical side of things, you, you ask what the fuck is Bran worth anymore? Um, but I will say this, I, I did the being weird is the immediate read for me, but when you kind of like think about like, oh, I live in the past, what he's referring to is that Bran, who he just accepts what everybody refers him as, is who lives in the past, that he's no longer Bran. So it is just kind of uh, sad, but I think they've played up his creepiness so much that it doesn't land. Yeah. I mean, because... I, blech, I don't want to make this point. I don't like making this point. It's like staring ugliness in the face. Are they going? I mean, obviously they do go for some sort of comic relief. Are they going for cheap laughs with Bran? No, I think they've got to be setting up something because we, I would hope. We, we missed either last week or the week before. There was a scene where Tyrion goes up to Bran and he's like, all right, I want to hear about your story. And Bran says, it's a long one. And he goes, oh, well, we've got all night. And then a camera cuts away. Tyrion, who, you know, his tagline is, I drink and I know things. Learning from the person who knows everything, something's got to come out of that conversation. That's a good point. And I and that would that's me sourcing through Reddit. Like I I finally had to read through there to kind of pick up on the importance of that scene. I think them bringing them back together after the uh, the long night battle. Um, well, damn, that just opened a whole can of worms that I want to talk about now. Mm-hmm. But it requires talking about something that happens later in the episode. Okay, well then let's keep pushing forward. Okay, just just uh, let me make the point because I know you remember better than I do. Um, if Tyrion and Bran had a night where they learned Bran's story, I want to talk about how that plays into what Bran, or excuse me, I want to talk about what that plays into with what John, like what Tyrion learns about John. Okay, we'll leave that there. Okay, just remember that. I want to talk about that in a second. Um, so, <clears throat> yep, so Gendry proposes to Arya, and then uh, we're moving into the next section. Danny pleads with John to keep his name a secret. Mm-hmm. 
So I, I know I've been like speaking up this whole red herring. John and Danny is the true fight we're going to have to deal with. I think there was also a small part of me that didn't want to believe all the comments of Danny becoming unhinged. Uh, I guess I was still trying to root for her to kind of like pull back and finally regain composure, but there is no defending it there in this particular scene. Danny is like, she's worried. Like she is full out worried about yep. no longer having the rightful claim to the throne. Yeah. Um, quick little liner point before I make my next point. Amelia Clark is fucking killing it. Yeah. I mean, god like there's this one scene that i was like i'll say that to now say there's this one scene or one part of this scene where um she's she's pleading with john to keep it a secret you know he doesn't want it anyway why tell people why make things complicated and um and she says specifically i've never begged for anything and i'm begging you Mm -hmm. and and she is faced she's face to face with John's stupid loyalty and his honor. And so far, okay, I'm going to stop for a second. She's face to face with John's loyalty and his honor. And she fucking changes like that. I mean, she like, he's like, there has to be a way that we can make this work. And she says like, and she just like stone faced and she's just like, I already told you. And uh, which was just, god that delivery was great yeah i got I, like, I got chills on that part yeah like that's amelia Clark. that's that's why i said she is killing it because god like she delivered that with the right amount of intensity it's as good uh, as the scene in episode one where santa's like what do dragons eat anyway and she just goes whatever they want like exactly that delivery those two deliveries are really good and so um I was going to say, I don't know if it's worth talking about, but I was going to say in that moment, she's met with John's, uh, eh, maybe she's met with John's version of honor and loyalty and, um, integrity. And I wonder if it meant anything to see that much selflessness staring back at her face, Mm -hmm. you know, because that her, her whole vendetta has been freeing the world from tyranny. And as selfless as it seemed this entire time, maybe her version of selflessness is not quite what, you know, true selflessness could be. Mm-hmm. Um, not saying John is the pinnacle, but, you know, John is John is John Snow. I mean, fuck, he's, you know, he's stupidly loyal and... Um, I don't know. Maybe that just contributed to maybe, maybe there's nothing to take away from that. Maybe that it just contributes to her, uh, stance. She takes later in this episode, which we'll probably get to. Um, yeah. I mean, that whole scene was just, yeah, she's, you, you wrote that she's severely coming unhinged. I wrote, um, I wrote that she's cracking because she is, I mean, I don't know. What what, what are your, what, what was, do you have any takeaways from it? The, the problem that I think is happening here is, and if it, 
because Danny is pleading with John, let's keep this a secret. And the thing that keeps John from being able to do it is that he wants to tell Sansa, Arya, and Bran the secret because he trusts that they won't tell anyone. And I I think Danny comments on how Sansa would use this against her and how they everybody loves John. And so they would want to see him, you know, take claim to the Iron Throne. And so that's where the, the stupid loyalty is coming into play that in a perfect world, you know, they would keep it a secret. But because John can't lie to his family, even though they're not technically his family, he is still honor bound to them. And it's just like it's the goddamn Ned Stark frustration all over again. Like if he just didn't have to be so loyal, you know, we would have our have our fairy book ending. But it can't happen that way. And it's just it's frustrating. Yeah. And then also that puts me in an awkward position where it seems like I'm I'm voting for, you know, the aunt and uncle, I mean, the aunt and nephew to get it on. And that's weird. I don't know. This whole show is dumb. They already have. So. Yeah, I know. I like how that was the first thing that that, that came to the mind. Wasn't the first thing that came to mind is it was like the contention of the throne, not the fact that they're related. <laughs> it doesn't. I mean, it, it takes another character to point that out, not them two. Right. I would say it's only weird for those who know. Uh, those in the north. It's not weird for Targaryens. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Um, yeah. Um, I don't know. Back to predictability. Would it be better to wrap that storyline that way, or would it be wrap better to to cause tension and let it explode in a think fiery we're, mess? We're gonna get the fiery mess. <laughs> I think so too. Um, anything else for that section? No, I think that about does it. All right. So uh, from there, it kind because of, I. I don't know if I remember the specific order everything happened, but I think the next scene is pretty much Jamie and Brienne's romance scene, uh, which kind of segues from the drinking game because one of the questions that they asked, which we talked about, was uh, they ask Podrick and Brienne's side, are you a virgin? And Brienne kind of gets upset and walks away. Um, Jamie follows to piss. She has to piss. Yeah. Jamie follows follows her and eventually they meet up in their bedroom and that's where they uh finally have sex and uh finally answered the question i had back in episode two whether or not jamie has feelings for her as well and i guess the answer is yes yeah um he makes a hilarious line that he's never slept with a night before (laughs) so funny and then which uh, i think uh somebody called it a one night stand and i just want to credit that (laughs) i'm some reddit comment i wish i would remember their username that's really funny yeah um so a part of that scene when um when Tyrion like pours the drink for Tormund That's what happens, right? Yeah, I think he does. Yeah, and he, he just kinda like says like, nah, this ain't worth it. Uh was he just trying to defuse or was he like trying to ship the two of them? I to me it was almost like this is your problem now, and like he's just gonna leave. Like he just got rid of his drink and left. Huh. That's an interesting take. That's that's how I read it. It's like he's like, oh, I'm too drunk for this and just walked away. It's really funny, actually. That <laughs> makes that makes it so much easier to, to digest. Um Yeah. Uh, I don't even I don't even know if I wanted those two together, but Jamie and Brian. I Yeah. I like it because I think she obviously was, you know, she had feelings for him for the longest time. 
he was slowly changing from this despicable character into a more honorable character and i think that complements brian's honor really nicely um i don't know if i have a lot to add to it other than you know it just it finally happened uh i do i i have a bone to pick with it but i don't think i actually wrote it down in my notes so we might be able to talk about it here okay or does it happen later i don't know what's your bone you do have it you do have it later we'll come back to it it's not until after uh towards the end of the episode uh, but yeah i oh, i shit. i don't have a lot to talk about the actual romance but i do have something to say about the uh the way the episode ends so are we, are we moving on to the next section I guess, I guess so i don't i don't know oh okay yeah, let's move on to the next section. Okay, sorry we're being cryptic. You fucking confused me. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I almost wonder if it's better to just take these characters and talk about their progression through the entire episode or go scene by scene. Because like you said, the people who have seen it or are listening to this have already seen it. So Yeah, it's, we can't spoil things that have already... You yeah, know, so I'll, I mean, I'll just say it. I Because Jamie eventually decides to go on to King's Landing to uh, return to his sister in almost like a 180 turnabout. I didn't like that. I don't know how you either. felt about that. I didn't like it either. Um, I immediately was trying to think of whether or not he pledged because he just kind of showed up, right? Like he to King uh, to Winterfell. Yeah. Well, he at the end of season seven, uh, back when they had the meeting where they convinced Cersei that the White Walkers are real. Uh, right. they pledged their their armies to the war, and then Cersei reveals that she's going to backstab on him. And Jamie's like, well, I pledge to fight for the living and I intend to keep that. And she basically tells him, if you leave, you know, you're that's treason. And he's like, you wouldn't dare. And she kind of throws the the mountain at him and he continues walking and she doesn't kill him. Um, so he ends up showing up at Winterfell and basically having to say, you know, Jamie, ba- I mean, Cersei backstabbed you, but I'm here because I want to fight for the living. Yeah, so that's like a huge fucking hole. How I mean, come? what? what he's okay. going to show back up and here's here's what I because I did not like the scene at surface level when I first watched it. And it goes back to my main criticism that it feels like we're speed running the show because he had that 180 so quickly. But I was reading Reddit today and somebody brought up the idea that he's going back to King's Landing because he wants to defend um, a weekend. uh rebellion can we call danny and everybody else a rebellion he wants to defend the weakened rebellion against his sister because he wants to be rid of her once and for all but he frames him being a bad person to brienne because he knows he's not coming back and he doesn't want her to miss him Hmm. which would make so much more sense but it didn't read that way to me it didn't read that way to me yeah um and i think that I think it's too noble for Jamie. You think so? I mean, because that would be the the pin in his character arc from going to this person with no nobility to doing the right thing and helping rid the world of his sister. Eh, I don't know. I just don't. I guess so. I mean, I can see it. Like, I can see that that's an open possibility, but I just shit maybe i'm fooled you know maybe i'm saying this because he fooled me yeah we are we are brian (laughs) we we believed it yeah i guess i did but definitely because 
I'm just thinking like it didn't make sense to me, you know, that he was saying like Cersei's hateful and so am I. Yeah. Um, it's like, well, if she's hateful. What the fuck are you going to do? Like, where ha, you already cast aside? So why are you going back? What yeah. what what at this point do he, you truthfully stand to gain? And he already found out that she sent Braun after him. Like, yeah. Like, what what does he expect? Yeah. I don't know. This this is where I'm talking about where it, I I really truly feel we needed at least one more season to help flesh out these points because what's happening isn't not entertaining but it's just happening so quickly that we're like questioning what you know the motivations <clears throat> yeah but I think that yeah. I that about wraps up Jamie and Bryn for me I don't have anything else to add uh. I'm kind of moving along because we're at the hour mark. I want to make sure we can get all the rest of the episode. Is there anything else you wanted to yeah, add? Yeah, I know. There's so much. To, I think it's a combination of being so much to unpack, such long episodes, and just trying to make sense of this fucking speed run. Yeah. Um, no, I don't. I don't think I have anything else for those two. Okay, so from there it moves on to the war planning. Um, the biggest takeaways from the scene is that Danny wants to send everybody to war, even though they're just severely weakened and still recuperating. Uh, Sansa challenges it, and that causes Danny to question their loyalty. Um, I don't know, just more piling more onto the. I think you and Chelsea, you or Chelsea, brought this oh, up. Wait, I'm sorry. Shit. Uh, okay, keep that point. I just wanted to stab something in there. Tyrion gets to tell a tall people joke. Oh between yeah, <laughs> Brian and ja- Brian and Jamie and I, I. Shit, I can't believe I forgot that. Yeah, uh, that was really funny. Uh, I don't know. It's not worth going back. Like we don't need to backtrack. But I just wanted to point that out. That it's so fun seeing Tyrion be funny. Yeah, he's been so cryptic this entire time. It's nice. It is. There's a nice levity to him that we've we've missed for a while. Yeah, yeah. and I guess I that's he's, he's my favorite character. He's mine too. Uh I, st- I mean, it's understandable because the fucking living dead were on the doorsteps, but they don't have to worry about it anymore. Um, yeah. Now, I, I, the, the biggest takeaway, I mean, we're furthering the divide between Sansa and Danny. Uh, you know, I think it was either you or Chelsea that brought up the mad king slash queen comparisons between Danny and her father. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, her emotions are getting the better of her and she is sending people to fight even though they desperately need to recuperate um that's really my biggest takeaway from this scene was there anything here that stuck out to you um danny questioning their loyalty what uh can you remind me of what that was so essentially sansa proposes that they take time to recuperate and Danny goes, well, how long would do you need? And Sansa pretty much says, oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's no way That's to right. know. And so then uh, Danny says something like, I changed my course to come fight for you, pledge my men in this battle of the dead. And then when I call for you, you need time or something like that. It's, it was just yeah. like a very unrelenting response. But she kind of has a point. Sansa or I Danny? Mean, uh, Danny, yeah. I think. Um, I mean it's a little illogical to assume they're just going to fucking march into a battle that has been like the defenses at King's Landing have been forming this entire time. I mean, Cersei quite literally said, fuck it. I'll let y'all worry about it. And in the meantime, she was 
brushing, you know, like like filing her nails and just making shit ready. Um, Getting the golden army, but not the elephants. <laughs> I mean, like Sansa has a great point, but Danny has a good point too. You know, she's like. Well, okay, maybe maybe it was maybe she's not thinking logically now that I'm stepping through it and trying to I, make I mean, sense of it. I get it because Danny's working at the same speed of the show, <laughs> where she wants. Yeah. To, it's almost like Danny's aware, like, hey, we only got three episodes, we need to go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, like, I get it. It's I mean, you if we play off this this angle that Danny is starting to feel incredibly isolated, she has lost so much of her support. Uh, she's watching the support shift in John's favor without knowing that he's actually the rightful heir to the throne, you know, to have this kind of uh, objection to her her command. It is like, OK, how loyal are you? Like, I, I can yeah. see the, the the seeds of of doubt flourishing, yeah. not just being planted. They're flourishing now. Yeah. Um. I don't think I have much else for the war scene. Um, it does it does do a good job of of showing. Uh, well, I interpreted a little bit of uncertainty even from John. Yeah, like some apprehension even when he speaks up for the Starks. I th I, I don't know. Like I've maybe maybe I'm projecting, but I I feel like he was you know he was just trying to keep everybody calm. But even he was like, it's just some good fucking points here, you know, <laughs> like, I don't know, because uh, I mean, this happened. This happened after. Actually, I can support that. This happened after the fact that he watched her go from begging and pleading and crying that he keep his name a secret to like just changing at the drop of a hat and being like, I've told you how to do it. You need to do this. And then just leaves the room like that shit was crazy. And it's not just crazy to us as viewers. Like he definitely had to have been like, what in the fuck was that? You know? Yeah. So, so I, that's where this, I think I got that from in the war planning. At that point, that's twice she has threatened his family. Yeah. And like, I mean, he's got it. Like we have been seeing her crack since, um, the celebration, but he has seen her twice now show that she is, is pretty borderline. And I'm pretty sure He's seen her try to like knee jerk burn a city up, right? Yeah. So there you go. So this is technically three times that he's seen her 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 emotions get the best of her. Look, Sansa. I mean, not Sansa. Danny was just really upset that they left the Starbucks cup out on the table. So she's just <laughs> she's been pissed this entire episode. Let's call it like it is. <laughs> <laughs> For those who don't know, there, there is a scene in this episode where you can see a Starbucks cup on a table <clears throat> because that is the same level of care that this final season definitely has. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. But uh, yeah, uh, I, I mean, that transitions basically into John saying, OK, well, we'll pledge, you know, we pledge our armies to your cause, you know, say the word word and we'll go. And like Sansa and Arya just kind of like side item, like what the fuck? And they they pull him aside to talk to him. Um, yep. And that that cuts to the what did we call it? The werewood? The or the I whispering woods, the God's tree, Something. the God's woods, God's woods, something. There you go. Yeah. So yeah, that's basically where we have uh, John finally confess who he is to his sisters. Um, 
it's just it it's playing again with the whole like don't forget where your family kind of situation and it's just it's it's tightening that tension even further and i i I don't know do you is there anything in this particular scene that stood out to you with them actually talking or just the fact that they needed to talk uh with them actually talking i'm combining those two scenes together i gotcha not not really i mean i kind of shamefully say that i wish he would have not told them yep um it's because it's like the it goes back to the way i felt in episode two i think right before the white walkers show up where they're like in the crypts before he's even told her i said why not just wait out the battle you know tell her afterwards because if one of you die then problem solved but of course he's fucking stark even Mm -hmm. if he's in a name he's stark and he has to bring it up at the wrong possible moment yep so it's just a repeat of that mistake um i have a point to i mean do you do you want to just kind of carry that timeline out like we did for brian and jamie uh yeah go ahead Uh, we can just peek ahead of here so um we end up seeing well no it's natural it, it, it moves naturally um no no it doesn't it actually skips the brawn scene which we already kind of touched on uh, basically we find out brawn is just always a sellsword yeah um i hate him and i love him yeah uh i i wrote i wrote sir brawn isn't so bad after all because i i wrote that thinking that he was like I'm not going to kill you. I'm going to play this to my advantage. And uh-huh. then he actually shows that he doesn't give a shit. He's like, no, I'll still kill you. <laughs> I only need one of you. <laughs> so, um, so then I was like, well, fuck. Um, anyway. Yeah. Uh, Tyrion promises high garden to Bronn. And, uh, and Jamie is clearly not behind it, which I actually think is the reason why Jamie leaves. He's just, I don't know. Maybe it's too much treason for him. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just think that was the that was the turning point in which he's like, eh, fuck it, I'm leaving. Yeah. And I think he actually shit. I'm sorry. That might support <laughs> that might support him trying to make Brienne not sad about it anymore because he's just like, you know what, fuck this. It's too much for me. I'm just gonna tell Brienne that I'm hateful so she won't miss me because this isn't the real reason I'm leaving. But I'm just gonna tell her that. Yeah, it's convenient. Like no strings yeah. attached. Yeah. Um, they're gonna make peace on the battlefield, hmm. or Brian's gonna kill him. Kill T- uh, Jamie? Yeah, I don't think that's true. <laughs> I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying things. <laughs> um, You're turning out to be like Charlie in the. Uh, there is no <laughs> Carol. Like you just have notes all over the place. <laughs> There's not a single Carol in HR. Um, yeah. So. uh I don't have much else to add to the brawn confrontation. Okay, um, so that that'll lead to your next point about the uh, telling Sansa and Arya. Yeah, so I wrote that Sansa tells Tyrion about John because honor is fucking dead. Um, that really, that legitimately pissed me off. That immediately just starts to. That's I mean that's I, the little finger of her teaching, like. And I I get it. Like politically, I get it. It yeah. fits really well within the cogs of the game. What pisses me off is there is a gross oversight in John. Like, like let's let's logically think about this. She tells Tyrion, um, 
foregoing honor in order to do so. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, she reveres John for his honor and then in turn disrespects it and further shows that she as a Stark has no, not has no honor, but she, she determines that the risk of keeping the secret is not, it, it, it's not worth her honor, you know? So she's just like, fuck it. I'm going to break my promise and I'm going to tell Tyrion. But so now she tells Tyrion, um, logically, there is a possibility that John finds out that Sansa did this. So I'm thinking that she is thinking, well, it doesn't matter because this is going to grow out of control so quickly that John won't know where it came from. He's just going to know that he is the wanted king for the throne. Yeah. I think that's her play. But I think her oversight is in assuming that no one is working against this secret. Because there are going to be, I mean, we all know how the telephone game works, and that's her showing off her little finger. Um, <laughs> that's Sansa showing off her little finger. Uh, <laughs> I heard but it that's too. Her, <laughs> that's her showing off her, the prowess she picked up from from Littlefinger. Right. Littlefinger knew how information traveled. Um, but there's going to be forces at play, so it's it's a really calculated risk. Um, but I mean, you know, because, it's in line with because i don't want to say she foregoes honor but i guess maybe it's kind of like the same way i didn't want to believe danny was slipping she's yeah. cognizant of the fact that of all the stark men because they they gave into this game of honor have lost their lives for it rob stark and ned stark yeah. they were not cut out for this political game and we saw yeah. catlin lasted a pretty long while it wasn't until she was trying to save her son that she got off it shows that the women in the starks family are, are a lot better at playing this game um i i want to get a clarification who who is working against this information um well so far Tyrion. just Tyrion. um well it's the next logical step, which is Varys and Tyrion are talking about it, and he says, you know, we're discussing treason. And I think there's reservation in that. Um, I, I'm jumping really far ahead and getting super granular. But well, make when, your point, because I, I think I have a connecting point that can keep us here, too. Okay, well, so that's my point, is is so far Tyrion's working against it. Um, but but honestly, it actually, I, I don't know that there is anybody else working against it. Well, the thing I think we only have to sell Tyrion. I think, said out loud. I think what I find really interesting was Sansa pretty much goes, you're afraid of Tyrion or you're afraid of Danny. I think yeah. it, it, it was, it was either her or Varys, but somebody calls him out and he goes, I think all great uh, leaders should inspire a bit of fear. But the way he says it, it's like, he doesn't believe it himself. Like I, he's on yeah. the fence too about Danny. Um, I don't know. I, it's, seeing where this it's like a revolution on a revolution yeah like seeing where this little leak of information is gonna go is really interesting to me hmm. i'm trying to think because there's another there's an upcoming thing that i want to talk about that i kind of sourced from reddit but we'll get there when we get to the end of the episode yeah now i'm i'm wondering if my thought has any legs i guess it doesn't because there's not really anybody working to keep the secret in except for danny Jorah would have, but he's dead. Yeah. So, I mean, he's gonna win that game. He won't tell his soul. 
I wonder if Cersei's gonna find this out. Okay, fuck it. I'll go ahead and say it. Do you think Sansa would leak this information to Cersei? Because how else does how do, else do they know to meet Danny at uh, is it Storm's End, where she gets ambushed? Where who gets ambushed? Where Danny, Danny oh. and her fleet. How else does Euron get there so quickly if not for somebody tipping them off? I didn't even fucking think about that. That that's what I got from Reddit. Reddit posted that idea in my head. Oh shit. Yeah. So maybe my notes made me miss that whole thing. Where where were they heading? I think they were heading back to Where did Stannis make his uh, like home base from? Was it Lord, uh, Storm's End? It was the old Targaryen place, right? Yeah. With all the dragon glass? Yeah. Um, is that Storm's End? It's a good question. Um, no, that is House Baratheon. Okay. Um, sorry for the dead air, everybody. Um, shit, now I'm wondering if I missed something huge. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, yeah, I'm looking for it too. I don't see it. Yeah, all I see is uh... Sorry, I just gotta feel dead air. But yeah, like I wonder if Sansa played a part in in getting them ambushed. Dragonstone is the castle that stands upon the uh, island located in Blackwater Bay. Okay. Is the ancestral seat of House Targaryen and was the stronghold of a cadet branch of House Baratheon. Is that where they're? That's. I think that me, is that where they're headed. I think that's where Danny gets ambushed. Okay. Well, now I gotta know. Yeah, I'm fairly certain that's where Danny gets ambushed, and it's one of those scenes that plays out like as like, well, how the fuck did they get the jump on him? And my cynical answer is because I needed to wrap the episode up in three episodes, the season up in three episodes. But if we are to believe that maybe Sansa was the one to tip him off, thinking that if she gets the two remaining forces to kind of like take care of each other, that leaves an open space for Jon and the Starks to rule from uh, the Iron Throne. But wouldn't Cersei weaponize that information and let their and let their revolution implode? Or does she just think that would Cersei think that far ahead? Would she be that would she be that many steps ahead? I mean, because for all she knows, Danny has the Dothraki and the Unsullied who are loyal to her. I think she assumes that they were taken away, like taken care of in the long night. Okay. Okay. Um, because that was her whole thesis for backstabbing it was just like let them fight and when they're done they'll be too weak to take us on because she has the golden army so she's assuming that she is severely weakened and to make matters even worse if we were to believe Sansa is the one who tips them off um that will even weaken them further you know so you you tip the balance a little bit more equally because they get rid of the dragon sorry spoilers uh I, I don't know. I I really don't know if that's what we are going to find out later with Sansa choosing to reveal this information. 
Well, we have more to talk about. Yeah, I know. I won't harp on this for long, but I will ask, do you think there's any scenario in which Sansa takes the throne? Honestly, someone wrote it on Reddit and I don't know that I like it. I think th really the throne is up for any. I, you know what my honest to God belief is? We're going to get to a point where it like the throne does not exist anymore. I think we're working towards Tyrion's ideal yeah. version of a democratic society. Um, yeah. I I don't know. I actually I because I think for going back in theme with um, predictability, the least predictable answer is that nobody sits on the throne. Yeah. So that's that that's Sansa where I'm at. Would, that the that the throne would be destroyed and Sansa returns to rule the North. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> i like it but i oh god i don't know what i don't know what i want okay let's keep talking about this show that's tearing me up inside <laughs> uh ta -ta -ta -ta. so yeah that's Tyrion. because I, I basically labeled this section goodbyes in war because they're leaving uh sansa and Tyrion have this conversation on top of the wall john basically has like his round of goodbyes to everybody uh sam reveals he has a child with gilly gilly only knows two names and that's sam and john <laughs> and uh <laughs> <laughs> that's that's funny uh they say Quality. they're good yeah and, and the whole time she goes we're gonna name it john and he goes don't and i, I it's not like because he says i hope you have a girl but i think it's supposed to be implied like you idiots it's not my name <laughs> whatever <laughs> that's funny but um the only other noteworthy goodbye I would say is that Tormund asked John to go back to him in the real with him in the real north, which would seem fitting for somebody like John who kind of honestly could not be bothered with the political drama. The North is like made for him. Mm -hmm. Um and my last little thought before we just open this up to discussion, John leaves ghosts like the piece of shit he is without pets. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how John could do ghosts dirty like that. I know, and he was whimpering. And then he, so there's a part where Tormund, John says to Tormund that he, that it's goodbye. And Tormund says something about like, it was, I can't remember what he says, but he says like, you never know basically. Yeah. So I hope that they're reunited, but. I hope that I at least get to see that Ghost is happier in the true north. Yeah, I mean, what John says makes sense. I mean, there's no room for a dire wolf where they live. But, I mean, go. That that wolf's been with you for so long. How, the fact that he can't show any emotion. Yeah. it's It was a weird choice, but I think we're supposed to read it as though, like, John has completely shed any of the Stark name. Which is... I guess so. Yeah. I don't like that if he does rule. Yeah. Because he is a Stark. He's just conveniently a Targaryen. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I don't think there's anything more past that. Um, I don't think there is either. I think that it's, and I think that part of it is because there's just a lot to take in. Yeah. Like there's so, there's so much happening. Because the next thing I have is that Varys and Tyrion have their little plot discussion. Um, basically, Varys is leaning towards making Jon the next puppet towards the throne. Uh, I, I do like the scene where we clearly spelled out get Varys' motivations, which is that he speaks for those who can't speak for themselves. 
and um he is willing to do whatever it takes to make sure that the greater good prevails and i think it's hinting even if that means danny has to die in the process yep oh without a doubt yeah i think that's exactly what he implied Mm -hmm. um which it actually that's that plays up to Tyrion's want for a democratic world i guess Mm -hmm. so i guess that drives the wedge for confliction for Tyrion. Yeah, we brought up the point about Tyrion being afraid of Danny. I think him kind of like not whispering, but kind of like shamefully going, that's treason. Thoughts aren't treason. Like he's he is. I think he's been thinking about this for a long time, but he hasn't verbalized it. And to have somebody finally confronting him with it, he I don't know. Tyrion's wrestling with a lot of inner turmoil. I would agree. Um I really want to talk more. I don't want to I don't want to needlessly drag this on, but I want to I, I want to briefly touch on like is Tyrion really in fear of Danny? Like what what's his fear there? Because further further on cuz my next thing that I wrote that that's sort of um or not okay, let's just screw it. Tyrion walks right up to the wall. He burns Kyburn, which was fucking hilarious by the way. Mm-hmm. Um you know, he just like cuts him off mid sentence and just walks towards the wall and towards Cersei. And what is, you know, certain death? Like he, he doesn't know. Like I was legitimately worried for him in this scene. Yeah. Okay. Good. Because he's he's either so sure that Cersei won't kill him or he's not afraid of death. So what existential reason would he be scared of Danny and not scared of Cersei? I had a point, uh, but I got carried away listening to to you that I lost it. What was my point? Um, oh, because he has that line where he says, because he's basically chastising Varys, and he goes, at some point you pick somebody you believe in and you just go with it. I think he's kind of tired of being, you know. Clever. Not clever. I think he's tired of switching sides. Like. You know, okay, here's Joffrey. He didn't really care. He was going around, whoring around. And then um, who he ends up becoming Hand of the King. So he's like, okay, I'm starting to like this political game. Then he gets in prison, and then he kills his father, and then he joins Danny's side. And it's just, I think he's tired of trying to find out what he believes in. So even if he can see that Danny's changing, he doesn't want to switch anymore. And I think that's what he's afraid of. I get it. Um, that that's a great point. I don't like it, but it's a good point. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like it because <clears throat> I don't want to believe that Tyrion. I don't want to see his. I don't want to see his line in the sand. Yeah. You know, like I, I don't want to see the point where he decides to to stop trying. Yeah. But I'm not. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. That's why it's a really good point. I don't personally like it, but as as a point, I think it's. Yeah, I think it's I think it has merit. Yeah. Mm, trying to think. I don't really really have anything else. I did all I basically said was Tyrion suggests that John and Danny should get married and Varys is the first person to go they're related. Like in this entire entire show, he's the first one to admit that like, yeah, that's weird. I mean, 
John clearly doesn't care, right? No, they because I mean they started kind of having their little makeout session for a bit, and then they like, yeah they had like a makeout sesh yeah. when she when she kind of flipped on him. Well, I thought I thought that was like even after she kind of did the whole I told you how this will work. It doesn't. I don't think it really matters, but yeah, I, I mean essentially no. The, but the point is that they have kissed after he's known that she's his aunt. Yeah. So I don't, it was just nice to finally have somebody admit how weird. Yeah, it yeah, is. yeah, uh, yeah. No, I agree. Um, so you put that Tyrion's fear of Danny resurfaces. Yeah. Anything to touch on with that? No, that's about it. Got it. So your notes have a. Oh no, they don't. There's two more points. Scouting is for chumps. Euron pulls a sneaky and, <laughs> and kills Rhaegal. Um I still need to figure out where he dies. What what were you going to say? Where who dies? Rhaegal. In the sky. No, He can go twice (laughs) as high. (laughs) Take a look. You runs in the boats. You fucking freaked me out with this whole like (laughs) Cersei maybe knowing. And now I'm like, where does he die? I don't know. Like I I need to know. I like I have to like as soon as this podcast ends, I'm I'm going to look this up. So wait, Uh, where does Euron die? No, no, no. Where does Rhaegal die? He, Geographically. I know he dies oh, in the sky. Oh, oh. <laughs> Tell me that again. <laughs> Reading Rainbow. Uh, set phasers to love me. Um, no, I, I I think you nailed it. Uh, Dragon's End. Is, is that what you called it? Dragonstone. Dragonstone. Yeah, that's where they were going. Because you saw the the uh, the throne that Danny was in when John pretty much first said, "Hey, uh, we need you to come fight the the dead." And then they got the dragon glass out of the the caves. So yeah, they're they're at Dragonstone. Um, she was returning there because I guess that was supposed to be her point of headquarters, and they surprise attack and i this is too big of a moment not to kind of slow down and talk about what was your initial reaction to seeing Rhaegal impaled with an arrow it was um you know what fuck it it was cheap you think i didn't so? like it you didn't yeah, like it i didn't like it no um i was i was going to challenge that thought and i'm just going to let you challenge it because I, I thought it was cheap and it pissed me off my the the cheapness of it is goes back to my initial complaint that we're speed running this show. I think because I, I I even got into another conversation with someone where I said it's not that what's happening isn't cool because it is. It's it's happening so fast that we don't have time to breathe. Uh, mm-hmm. If we would have seen some kind of inner machinations of Euron being sent to to intercept this return home for Danny, I think that dread would have been a lot more dramatic than what we got because it's just kind of like, well, how the fuck did he move there so fast? Like, how did they get the information so quickly? How did they not see him sneak up on everybody, especially when they had the vantage points of being on dragons? But if we if if we don't just knock the show for its shortcomings and just take it at face value, I will say I wanted to believe it was a dream sequence for Danny. Like that first initial hit, I'm like, no way, they're not going to kill two dragons. Like another she, one, they're not yeah. going to kill another one. And and then they have that shot through the fucking head, and it just like it jerked me into like this is real. This is like holy shit. Like we lost mm-hmm. a dragon. Yep. And so, and then eventually he starts attacking the ship, decimating their forces. Um, uh, Sunday's captured, uh, which another bone to pick with because of things happening so quickly. Like, how did they know she was the one to to get caught? But whatever. Um, 
Yeah. How- it's it's like in a in a sea of floating bodies. How the fuck are they gonna find Masande and take just her and then like get out of there? Right. Unless somebody. Well, so then how did they know that she was captured? When you like uh, like once well, you're on uh, captures her, how did how did they Sansa find out or whoever knew? They don't know, but they they end up having the meeting at the wall, and that's where they learn that she was caught. Sorry, you you cut out a bit, and I didn't want to say anything about it, but I want to make sure that I heard you correctly. Um, In the sky. No, I'm kidding. Go ahead. Because Grey Worm, doesn't Grey Worm say that Missandei was captured? I can't remember. I I think he does, and I I think I remember even thinking, like, how the fuck does he know? Yeah. Like, how? Realistically. he knows, she's dead. Right. Lost in the water. Or impaled by a giant scorpion mm-hmm. uh, bolt. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Anyway. Um. I, don't know. I I'll, um, I will say this before moving forward. Are we to infer anything specifically about the fact that it was John's dragon that died? Oh shit! <laughs> Fuck! I didn't even, that didn't even cross my mind. Yeah, and I will say this as well. Uh, one one little more to kind of chew on. I this was this was picked up from Reddit. Um, you know, she starts off with three dragons. She's unstoppable. She loses a dragon. She starts to need allies, and she seeks to pair up with John. She loses another dragon, and now she's isolated, which is what we are seeing mirrored through this episode. Hmm. Just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah, found that interesting. I should have gotten the Reddit commenter's name, but whatever. <sighs> yeah, I don't want to go read more about that. Mm-hmm. So that that's where my notes end. This is where you and I ended up meeting up. So. Uh, I think guide us through. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the only the the last main thing that happens, I've got. Well, a little more happened. Like we logically saw Jamie, like abandon Brian. Yeah, and then um, and then they ride to King's Landing. Right. Yes. That ha- yeah, that had to have happened again. <clears throat> um, so they go to King's Landing with a what I hope is a portion of the unsullied. Because yeah. Cause so, I think, I think they confirmed that they had some unsullied and Dothraki still around. We assume that all the Dothraki died, but apparently dialogue confirmed that there are some still alive. Yeah. Which is, I won't even get into it. Um, all I'll say is how convenient. Um, so I think that that was only a small portion of, of unsullied i think that was just another nutflex i don't think that was actually a <laughs> nutflex <laughs> uh, well so okay so let's let me well, let me high, let me high level this one go ahead what are we gonna say if you're talking about specifically the the uh guards around the meeting at the wall i don't think that we're supposed to infer that's all she has left i think that's just her personal protection for yeah. that meeting um Cersei's already shown that she does not respect the rules of engagement. Right. So why in the fuck would you bring why would you bring a Bowie knife to a gunfight? You know? She basically brought a Swiss army knife to a gunfight. uh, Danny did. So this whole whole thing, this whole tactic, um, the political tactic of, of offering cersei to surrender 
makes a ton of sense. It's you know, pure optics. It. Right. But I think she is making a wild assumption of Cersei that she respects the rules of engagement, which she doesn't. She blew up a fucking church thing in her city. You know, like mm-hmm. she, it, like they even say, like, we know you don't care about your people. Um, thousands of innocents will have to die, you know, or whatever. And, and Cersei just doesn't care. Um, I don't know that I took issue with the fact that they would even show up there in the first place with so little of an army. I guess I get it because if you show up with any bigger of an army, it's an act of war war. (laughs) So, um, but now, I mean, like there better, there better be an explanation for it because, um, Cersei is ruthless and, um, shows that we'll get to that in a second. So now they really either we we have to assume that Danny is going to not let her emotions get the best of her, which, you know, come on. Um not only do we have to watch Danny like we 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 now have to see Danny make a make a very difficult political decision to walk away from watching. I'm just going to say it, Miss Sande die. Mm-hmm. Uh, She's now has to turn around and walk away. She is, she has had trouble doing that for far less. So, and now Grey Worm is pissed off too. Which is what uh, I was alluding to when I was saying how much devotion does he have towards Danny? Um, you know, because obviously he was in love with her. Does he have any sort of resentment towards that? Yeah, um, that's a good point. I um I don't know. I just I don't see them turning around and walking away from from this particular situation. Yeah. So now they're they're greatly outnumbered. Um they're going to have to. You know, they're going to have to walk away. That's the only way the story gets progressed unless they've got fucking Dothraki hiding in the hills. Which what good is that from an archery wall? Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like this episode was doing its damnedest to get reason into Danny and being like, look, you can't just go burn them. You have to show that you are are kind and are allowing Cersei to surrender. And so the only way for the show to break our hearts is to put her in a position where she can't just turn the blind eye and is about to rain fucking fire on literally yeah. on this city. Yeah. Um, well, so they had so Kyburn is the reason that the scorpions exist, which is the weapon that killed uh, Regal. So, if you paid attention, there are like fifty of them along the wall, mm-hmm. and I don't know. They're just they're so outnumbered. Like if 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 one dragon dies that easily. Then if Daenerys decides to turn around and hop on Drogon and just fucking lay waste, like how long realistically does she have before Drogon dies the same way? Yeah. I mean, it's it's a suicide mission. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I just I like with this with this happening right now, like it's like we're going to have to see 
like logically we're gonna have to see Danny do something that we want her to do, but we know she won't do. Which I'm not saying she I'm not saying she won't do it. I'm saying that I selfishly think she won't do it. But logically it makes the most sense for her to just say like we need to not let our emotions get the best of us. Mm-hmm. Um that's the only logical turnout. Like I, I think any any other way that this pans out is gonna be convenience and it's gonna irritate the shit out of me. Like if they just choose to take their stand here, you know, and that's how the last two episodes pan out, which is a, I'm it's a gross oversight, you know. I, I don't think that I'm actually, I don't I don't think there's any stock in that. But if they decided to do that, I would be like this this is this is some prime season six Walking Dead shit right here, you know. Um, I glossed over the fact that Tyrion just like he, the, you know, the two hands of the king, the hands of royalty, you know, K- Tyrion and Kyburn meet and discuss each other's uh, stipulations. And I like how Tyrion, because obviously Tyrion is quote unquote one of the good guys, and Kyburn is essentially every fucking formal email you've ever gotten back when trying to find right? out information. <laughs> And he, oh, to see, that's really funny to see Tyrion just kind of like fuck this and then like immediately start walking up towards Cersei yeah it was really funny to me yeah that was a that was a, a ballsy it's, ballsy move it's literally the difference between any other corporate media on, on social media and Wendy's Twitter I was like, just about <laughs> to say Wendy's <laughs> like Tyrion is Wendy's Twitter and and Kyburn is every other fucking political like uh not political every other corporation's Twitter account. That's so funny. <laughs> um agreed. And and so he goes up and tests Cersei. And um <clears throat> I don't know if you picked up on this. I didn't. Chelsea uh zeroed in on it. Um he talks to Cersei and he plays to her sympathy for her children Yep. and um, specifically talks about her one remaining child, which is the one in her stomach. And I didn't, I'd have to go back and watch it, but presumably Euron is like, how in the fuck does Tyrion know? Yeah. Because, you know, so far, as far as Euron goes, no one would really know except for Kyburn. It, I hope that this does come into play because it is kind of like a oversight of dialogue, if not. And I don't right. think I don't think they've told anybody else. So like it, that's a grand revelation. Well, I mean, it had just happened recently in the episode. As far as the episode goes, if we can assume the timeline's correct, it had only happened, you know, not mm-hmm. much before this happened. So. Right. Um. Yeah, maybe maybe that means that Euron is going to start seeing the cracks in the facade, which he's not a morally true comp- uh, uh, character anyway. So yeah, <clears throat> it's not like it's not like he's never you know he does act incredibly selfishly. So maybe he's going to be like, well, you know, screw this. Who knows, man? Um, I hope it does come uh, into play. Uh, aside from uh, Masande calling Dracaris. I was expecting something to happen then and nothing happened. So maybe that was the implication that Danny's about to just burn shit down. I, it was basically Masande giving Danny the go ahead to like burn it down, which I was talking to a friend of mine last night, Nigellin, and she was kind of really bothered by this scene because it, it doesn't fit in line with Masande's character. 
because she believed Nagellan believed that she would have tried to say something to de-escalate the situation. Yeah. Um, and I guess I just wasn't keyed in on Masande's character enough to know one way or the other. Um, but I do love the idea based off because I mean this is Masande's first time in like uh, King's Landing in the North after all like the racist side eye she's been getting. It's just like eh, fuck it, like just just lay waste. These people <laughs> suck. <laughs> That's funny too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I just th- this is where it goes back to my original point. Everything is moving so quickly that I don't, it's we don't get time to digest anything more than face value. Yeah, it's a complete overload. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, which dare I bring another question? Which is, do you actually think Cersei's pregnant? We kind of touched on this a little bit. Um, the pregnancy is taking more of a center stage than I was expecting. I am going to go with no. Because in episode two, they straight out questioned it, whether she was telling the truth or not. And it goes back to my original statement. Why bring that up if not intended to be true? Not true. Yeah. You know? I mean, unless it's going to tie back in with Jamie riding back to save his only child or something. I don't. But I don't think he actually cares. Or does he even think she's pregnant? I don't know. I don't know. Because, I mean, I, I, I don't know what strategic value Cersei has in telling people she's pregnant to then be found out that she's not. Yeah. Um, like, I, w- I wish I'd have thought about that some more. But I mean, again, it goes back to why bring it up if you're not going to pay it off? I mean, otherwise, you might as well spend eight seasons developing White Walkers and then do away with them in one episode. <laughs> I'm bitter. Me too. I mean, it, <laughs> make, it, it makes sense why she used it to her advantage for Euron. Exactly. But what was she gaining on Jamie? Yeah. Unless it was just like a way to kind of like keep him from going north. Yeah. Kyburn confirmed it, so yeah. either he's in on the ruse or she's actually pregnant. Yeah, Kyburn's Ky- a creepo though. Because he had that he exchange is. with Tyrion where Tyrion says something to the extent of like, I'd rather not hear the screams of burning children. And Kyburn goes, it is not a pleasant sound. But the way he you said know, it is like, he's familiar with it. Yeah, he's like, Yes, it's uncomfortable, but do you ever see the SNL skit of the guy that um, it's like Dateline where he's like overly in- interested in hearing about these murder mysteries where he's just like, oh, uh-huh. like just basically like <laughs> tell me more. And like he's eating popcorn. I wish I could remember who it was, but it was the fact that I can't bring it up is means I shouldn't have brought it up. But I, don't know. <laughs> I just found it funny. Yeah. Listen, I got the Wendy's joke. I'm done. I'm retiring on my jokes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. But I think that about does it, man. So what did you think? I mean, oh, now wait. That, now I, that... I missed something that I kept trying to get back to. We did miss a scene with Arya and the Hound basically riding out together towards King's Landing. Uh, obviously, the Hound is going to go meet up with his brother, the Mountain. We're going to get the Clegane Bull. What do you think Arya is going towards? 
killing Cersei. You think so? I guess that we can kind of yeah. get into our prediction zone. Is that what you wanted to, to predict earlier in the episode? Um, no, I think I wanted to predict whether not predict it. Um, but I had read some predictions that um, John would kill Danny. Yeah. And uh, Jamie would kill Cersei. I saw a prediction on Reddit that said something that Cersei dies giving birth to a imp. And that huh. would be like the full circle of her story. But or she, yeah. I would I would I don't know. I would want her to know that she was giving birth to an imp. Yeah. I wouldn't want her to die during childbirth. She's got to know her death. Right, I'd want her to kill herself. Arya killing her seems too easily too easy to me uh, yeah just and they like, already they already gave Arya the the night king kill yeah so. and, like, and i want to be careful here because i know the internet has been the internet i aria is most definitely equipped to do it but narratively speaking i don't know if that's the most satisfying person to do it i kind of want it to be Tyrion. yeah i do too um not 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 i do too but now that you say that i i would want that too um, I don't know. Actually, I don't really know what I want. Um, I just don't want Arya to kill her. Yeah. I think that's too convenient. Would I be satisfied by it? Absolutely. But in terms of the storyline, I don't think it would satisfy me. It'd be really cool to look at. I, I just try and think about from the most dramatic point of view, who has the most satisfying end. And it's it, to me, it's either Tyrion or Jaime. Jamie is Jamie's in the Arya category where it feels too easy. And I guess you could say the same thing about Tyrion, but I don't know. I eh, fuck it. Give it to Sam. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a uh, Kyburn. <laughs> He's going to kill her. But I don't know. I because I've kind of kept you saying let's bring predictions at the end. I don't know if I have any predictions. I don't. Yeah. I mean, I just I'm starting to read a lot of um hopeful resolutions from yeah. from people who are like us so i just tr- like truthfully i don't i don't know um I-, I will stay stand by my one there nobody sits on the throne Tyrion installs his democratic society or someone installs a democratic society in Tyrion's memory don't do this to me <laughs> i mean it's logical i know um Sansa, Cersei, and Danny are gonna shake hands. Um, like like Sansa is gonna get Cersei's right hand, Danny's gonna get Cersei's left hand, and they're all just gonna have like a triangle handshake. Mm-hmm. And they're gonna say, This is what Tyrion wanted. <laughs> <laughs> and then a rainbow is gonna go across King's Landing. Um it. and then they'll eat bacon burnt. <clears throat> that's how Tyrion likes bacon, by the way. That that's too deep of a cut for nice. anyone to have gotten that. <laughs> that was the first season. Yeah, <laughs> it's a long time ago. Um, I think it was the same season where he said he was going to piss off the end of the world. <laughs> uh, um, so I think it's we're wrapping, but I think it's worth saying that we large or I largely interpret as we walk through the episode how yeah. I feel about the episode. I, um, if you haven't noticed the listeners yet, I have trouble making effective decisions in my thoughts um when it comes to this i don't i don't want to i don't know how to interpret yet um 
and and Game of Thrones is such a complex show, you know, present season notwithstanding. I, I mean, the the current season is is good, and it is a speed run. It is a lot of information to take in, but the show as a whole is very complex, and it's very easy to misinterpret. And um, I'm an idiot, so I probably have misinterpreted a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's so half that's the fun is interpreting it your own way. Yeah, but I mean, that's why I'm probably kind of fickle with my with my decisions of how I felt. But I think after running through this episode, um, the the la- like this season better binge well that's that's how i feel like mm-hmm. i better be able to binge this season and love the flow because i keep forgetting I, this is your first time to watch week to week yeah i mean i watched the last two episodes maybe of season seven week to week yeah i forgot about that yet. i might not have even done that i might have even led up to the final episode of season seven like mm-hmm. i think actually that's what happened i think that's the only episode i watched week to week which really would just be too weak. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so I, I forget that that's kind of a new way for you to digest this show. It is. And I think that, um, I think there should be some forgiveness in, in television in that, um, it's not a movie, so you can't judge it. You know, you need to finished. judge it with a gap of time between viewings. Yeah. Um, which holds true for like, uh, God, I had a point I was going to make and I just lost it. I don't know. But I mean, plug in any show you want. Like, like honestly, critically think about a show you watched on television versus when you binged it again. The Office is my, you know, easy example, which is that the show um, when when I watched it live and they introduced uh, I'm not going to spoiler alert the office, but here's your spoiler. If you don't want to hear a spoiler for the office, then stop now. Um when they introduced Will Ferrell's character, I was pissed when I watched it in real time because um, I was like, are you kidding me? That's such a cheap move, you know? But now that I go back and binge it, I'm like, his character is actually pretty fucking funny. Mm-hmm. You know, like that actually was that there's actually value in his character being introduced. And they only introduced him for three episodes. But at the time, you we were thinking that. like, yeah, we were like, are you kidding me? And that's you almost know, a so, month. If you watch it yeah. week to week. So... I don't know. That's, you know, when people start getting up in arms about shows, that's kind of what I'm getting at when I say, like, I just want to see the end of it. Yeah, because I and that's a totally valid way to want to wait, because I've seen it, too, because even like if you go into the Game of Thrones subreddit, there's pushback on like, well, if you don't enjoy it, don't fucking watch it, which I think kind of cuts the criticism at the knees. I will say this. This show burned a lot of goodwill i think in episode three and it has left people and people like me a little worried but i've made it this far that i'm 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 still willing to get to the end to see how it goes yeah it's morbid curiosity yeah like i i my my expectations have been dampened but i'm still in it because i yeah. i it's eight seasons eight years nine years pretty much of being invested in this i'm not going to give up on it now yeah so i agree um any closing thoughts from you i've made my final remarks no i think that about does it um all right so yeah yeah how long how long have we uh two hours on the dot 
Is this the longest? This is the longest episode because technically last week was almost two hours, but I forgot to to splice two audio segments together. So there's like two minutes of an audio gap. But uh, this one is straight two hours long. Hopefully that's okay with the listeners. If not, then I'm sorry. Tell us. <laughs> yeah, let us know. You can find me at the Tapstream on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Uh, what about you? At Dear Christopher, where mm. all media is served. Where all media is served, yeah. So if you have any uh, thoughts or points that you'd like to contend or share, you can find us there. Uh, if you go to thetapstream.com slash podcast, you can find a comment section. And uh, we'll uh, we'll check that out as well. So until next week, thank you for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time. Suspend that disbelief. (laughs) By the way, I actually, I'm going to put you on the spot here. How did you like having the day to wait versus recording it immediately after the episode? Um, I felt a little rusty. Felt a little rusty. Okay. So I was going to say, because I basically wanted to to either prep them to, to wait like they did this week or expect it as normal, but maybe i i don't know you feel free to to make the call but i prefer doing it than i of. okay all right good to know so uh a <laughs> uh, question mark whether or not you guys will see this uh next week's episode of the regular time i do apologize for this one being a little late but hey we're, we're keeping up with the game of thrones schedule now we're digesting yeah all right well bye-bye everybody thank you for listening bye i lost my mouse i can't hit stop recording